Today is Tuesday, January 30th, 2024. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Comments about marriage lead to a popular pastor getting yanked from the Christian radio waves. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Subscribe and leave a rating. Our email address, we'd love to hear from you, quickstartpodcast at CBN. Dot org. Joining me now to get through the news of the Cray, Billy Hallowell, Trey Gons Phillips on this Tuesday. Gentlemen, happy Tuesday. What's up? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Excited to be here as always. What is up? Happy Tuesday. Yes. Mini Monday. Here we, we go. We haven't Mini Monday in a while. <laughs> no, we haven't, but it is still Mini Monday. It actually is. So looking forward to diving in to the news. And we have some very... Uh, interesting ones today. I mean, this Christian radio station that pulled a well-known pastor's show over his advice on attending same-sex weddings. Uh, Trey, this one was uh, this one's kind of a surprise. Yeah, it's interesting too because the comments were were said were made months ago, but it just kind of bubbled to the surface again on social media and prompted this radio station to make a pretty big announcement. So, interesting story for sure. We'll dive into that on the focus story on the main thing. Michigan parents are suing a public school district that over the claim that the district employees began socially transitioning their daughter without their consent. We'll get into that story. And don't forget to subscribe to our other CBN News podcast. We've got DC Debrief with John Stolness, Newsmakers with our own Billy Hallowell. And all you have to do is go into the description of this podcast episode and look for the links to subscribe there. And we'd love to have you join us for those. All right, we're going to get to the news here and get through it in 90 seconds. A U.S. official confirmed that the drone from an Iranian proxy that killed three American service members in Jordan and injured others got past their air defenses because it was mistaken for a U.S. drone. And they said uh, in a press conference, we had John Kirby talking earlier yesterday and he said we're not looking for war with iran he said we're not looking to escalate he called the attack on their end escalatory but he stopped short of saying exactly what president biden was going to do he said i won't get ahead of the president's decisions and he didn't want to um kind of reveal their moves ahead of time they were also asked about how talks have been going to get hostages freed from Gaza. And Kirby said that the discussions have been productive. And he said they're still pushing for a humanitarian pause in order to get a significant amount of hostages out. But those talks are still in underway. Nothing has been set in stone. And intercessors around the world will gather for a day of prayer tomorrow to pray prayers of serious repentance for America, the National Gathering for Prayer and Repentance will take place at the Museum of the Bible and be live streamed on January 31st from 7.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. Those are just some of today's top headlines. Check out more over at CBNNews.com. Guys, at this event over at the this prayer event, you're going to have Mike Johnson, the House Speaker. Michelle Bachman's going to be there, the Congresswoman. Rabbi Jonathan Kahn will be there as well. A lot of speakers and so, I mean, look, this is what the country needs, and at least in the halls of Congress, I mean, we used to start, I, people kind of forget this fact, but you look at the early days of Congress when, when it was being established, when our country was being established, prayer was a focal point 
And right now it's more of a lightning rod. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy to think that we've fallen so far, you know, from prayer, from the eternal, but we need to do it. We need our leaders to do it. And to remind us of the importance of it, it's so crazy. You take a graph and you look at our removal of prayer and our move away from God and how bad things have gotten. <laughs> and there's a clear causation, not just correlation between what we're seeing happen. Yeah. I, you know, it's unfortunate that this is the culture that we live in, but it is true when you remove God from the public square, when you say that he's not welcome, uh, a lot of issues obviously then fill that vacuum and fill that void. So I think we, we live in a world that not only doesn't really pray, but unfortunately we live in a world that discourages and often makes fun of prayer. I mean, whenever a tragic situation unfolds around the country, we hear a lot of people making fun of the idea of our first reaction being to pray. But as believers, we know that the, the most important thing we can do is to pray to our creator about these kinds of things. Yeah, that's true. And I think a lot of times too, the reason unbelievers mock prayer is because they don't understand what we're doing. They think they think it's kind of like appealing to a magic genie in the clouds that's just going to give you whatever you want. But of course we have to pray in accordance to God's will. And then try to trying to understand his will, asking for something to happen and then but then just being okay with understanding that God's plans are bigger than our plans. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. We don't understand. So a lot of times we just need to pray for ourselves in the midst of something that we collectively understand and and can just cope with something and say, "All right, God, what are you trying to show us through this? What are you trying to show me through this?" How can I glorify you in the midst of all of that? And I think that's a perspective that's often lost. And it's just, well, we didn't get what we want, so your God's dumb, you know? And it's it's such a ridiculous, well, I mean, I guess it's understandable from an unbeliever's point of view, but it's just a inaccurate way to look at prayer. Yeah, I mean, you see it on gun control, right? You know, keep your thoughts and your prayers to yourself. Yeah. And, you yes. know, we want action. And I think there's a real misunderstanding of of what prayer actually is. And the idea that, to your point, you're submitting to, to God. You're submitting to a higher power. And you're saying to the Lord, whatever your will is, this is what I want. You know, God knows our hearts. He knows what we want before we even say it. But this is what we're hoping happens. But please do your will. That's a full submission. And when, when a person does that and when a collection of people do that, it can sway an entire culture mm -hmm. just as the turning away can sway an entire culture. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, we are going to move on over to the focus story now. And as we said at the top here, a radio station has dropped a very well-known Christian voice from a radio station. So Trey, what happened here? Yeah, so American Family Radio, they announced this month that they've dropped a program host and pretty well-known pastor, Alistair Begg, uh, after he suggested in a podcast months ago that Christians could, if they wanted to, attend same-sex weddings with the intention of building bridges. Uh, of course, Alistair Begg has made it clear that he opposes same-sex marriage. He only uh, only uh, encourages or only supports a, a biblical marriage, obviously, which is a, a union between one man and one woman. But he did say on an episode of his podcast from September of last year uh, that if someone wanted to attend a same-sex wedding, really with the attention of kind of extending an olive branch as, you know, in an evan uh, evangelistic way, that would be okay. That, that was essentially what he was saying. Yeah, and um, 
what what did he say kind of specifically if you got any quotes in there because it is interesting the way he tried to parse it down and also how did the radio station respond yeah so his podcast is called truth for life and it was an episode that he actually had received a message prior to taping this episode of his podcast from a woman who said that she was a grandmother uh, and has a grandson uh, who was going to, quote, uh, be married to a transgender person. And she was wondering, should I attend the wedding as a believer who obviously opposes uh, this union or should I avoid going to the wedding altogether and just not support it since it's not something that I agree with theologically? Would it be better for me not to go at all? Uh, and at the time, Beg said, people may not like this answer, but I asked the grandmother, does your grandson understand your belief in Jesus? She said, yes. Does your grandson understand that your belief in Jesus makes it such that you can't countenance in any affirming way the choices that he has made in his life? And she said, yes. Uh, then Beg continued and said, well, then, okay, as long as he knows that, then I suggest that you do go to the ceremony and I suggest that you buy them a gift. He said that not attending the ceremony could unintentionally reinforce, quote, judgmental stereotypes. Uh, so ultimately that was why uh, he said to go. But he did acknowledge later in that episode, this, this is his personal opinion, this is his view on the, on the subject. Uh, but he did say it is a very fine line uh, about what, uh, whether to go or not. And he did acknowledge, obviously, that people could arrive at two completely different conclusions. Uh, and both of them, depending on your situation, could be acceptable for the believer. He said that, quote, people need to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. Uh, but I think we're going to take that risk. We're going, we're going to have to take that risk a lot more if we want to build bridges into the hearts and the lives of those who don't understand Jesus and don't understand that he is king. Uh, so, Certainly interesting, uh, but like I said, this podcast was months ago, uh, but on social media, on Facebook, clips and, and portions of written quotes from this podcast started circulating again at the beginning of this year, mm -hmm. mid-January, uh, and AFR, American Family Radio, released a statement saying that they were cutting ties with Beg, that they wished him nothing but the best, that they see his ministry is incredibly important as something that has led a lot of people to Christ and has been uh, an important tool of discipleship for believers. Uh, but they did say in a lengthier statement, uh, recently it came to our attention that Pastor Beg made statements that, uh, that were unbiblical and fail to line up with the decades of faithful adherence to scripture that listeners have come to expect from him. Uh, in essence, when the question was asked of him whether or not a family member should attend an unbiblical wedding ceremony between two homosexuals, Pastor Begg uh, counseled Christians to attend and to take a gift. Uh, they said in their statement, the radio station, that we believe that action to be, quote, an act of unfaithfulness to God to attend such a ceremony that celebrates a union outside of the biblical model for marriage. Uh, they said that they reached out, held a, a conference call with Alistair Begg and his team, but were ultimately, quote, unsuccessful in convincing them of uh, his error. So as a result, they will no longer air mm -hmm. Pastor Alistair Begg's program. Yeah, it's really interesting turn here uh, for him. Yeah. And, you know, look, I'm trying to be as charitable as I can as I'm listening to the quotes. And I, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm, to be honest, I'm having a hard time getting there because it's kind of like, you know, you're trying to say, well, do you understand that this relationship is sinful? And if they say yes, well then, Hey, say congratulations on your sin. Here's a present. Like it doesn't, it doesn't really add up to me. And I get the heart behind like trying to be you know loving to people, but 
when you are affirming in any way of of something as like they said in the statement there as unbiblical as a non-traditional wedding uh, or marriage uh it's it's you're you're basically condoning it there no matter really how you i don't know how you can get around that you're essentially affirming and you're condoning that and it, everyone else there would take that as a sign of this is they're accepting of this so i think it would have the opposite effect that he was talking about yeah, I think it's it's a tricky tricky situation, I think, because in the past we've been able to talk about this as believers in kind of an abstract sense, but like all of us now have dealt with, uh, if we haven't personally been invited to a same-sex wedding, uh, we have friends or family members who have been invited and we've had those discussions like in our small group or in our, our, our community is, uh, what should I do? Do I, do I not go altogether? Do I go and just don't bring a a gift? Do I skip the ceremony and go to the reception? So I think people have legitimate questions and they're legitimately trying to work out how to, how to do this. But it is, it's interesting to see somebody like Alistair Begg using his platform and going ahead and taking this stance, knowing that it's going to be controversial. But I, I think it's a tough thing to navigate, right? Because uh, it, it is something that's real, right? This is the rubbers meeting the road. People are having to make a decision on these things. Uh, and I, I think it's only going to be increasingly common. So uh, it's it's interesting to see Beg, his statements, and then ultimately the radio station's decision to say, look, we like Alistair Beg. We think that the ministry that he has is something that's impactful and great and, and has been a, a great tool of discipleship. But on this instance, we disagree. And this is too big of a disagreement to continue together. Yeah, I think I was just going to say, I do think you, you know, what you said, Dan, very true. And then, you know, there's a question that lingers in the back of my mind that I think is probably one that should make us more discerning in general, though. You know, would we have the same reaction if two people are getting married after adultery or if one person got improperly divorced? And my sense is a lot of people look past some of these other things when they're going to a traditional normal wedding. Um, even if they're going on, you know, and and if it's not a biblical marriage, are you going to go? If these are atheists getting married, are you still going to go? You know, I don't, and people will say there's the people have been like, you know, living together for three years and then get married. Right. Right. I mean, I have a feeling the answers might be different, but I also think there are people who say, well, there's different levels, but at the same time, there's not really different levels of, of sin. So yeah. Yeah, it just makes me think more about all the other circumstances, too, that we probably look past. True, yeah, right, and to be consistent on that. And uh, it certainly opens up some conversations, there's no doubt about that. Um, but uh, we'll we'll see. Um, how, if this happens more and more, as you said, Trey, like we're going to be kind of confronted with this, and you're, you're going to, in your own circles, have to make decisions like this uh, probably yeah. more frequently uh, than not in the coming days, unfortunately. I wish it weren't that way, but uh, it does seem to be the way society's society's trending so um but appreciate you uh, putting that one on the radar there for us today that's going to lead us over to the main thing now and michigan parents dan and jennifer mead they're suing a public school district this is over the claim that district employees began socially transitioning their daughter without their consent purportedly concealing these efforts in the process that's today's main thing Dan and Jennifer, appreciate you joining me today. Now, you are involved in a lawsuit against the Rockford Public Schools out in Michigan over pronoun usage surrounding your daughter. Dan, can you tell us a little bit about what happened? Yeah, while we were working with this school closely to uh, address uh, her academic needs in regards to her autism, 
it came to our attention that uh, the school was uh, actively deceiving and hiding us and hiding from us the fact that they were transitioning our daughter from uh, being a girl to a boy using a uh, boy's name and pronouns. And this came to our attention by uh, paperwork that they had given me and one of the school employees had inadvertently forgotten to change one of those uh, male names and pronouns. Jennifer, when you discovered this, and, and again, you discovered it by accident, it sounds like, what was going through your mind? At first I was like, they must have somebody else's child's information in here. This was clearly an error is my first thought. Um, and so, we ended up emailing this specific uh, staff member asking them if this was an error. And then when we didn't receive a response back from them, which I thought was interesting, um, we started to kind of dig a little bit more and say, well, why would they not respond to an email over important information like this? So once we found out what was really happening, uh, clearly I was just in shock, disbelief. And Dan, you, I imagine at that point, once you found out, you started to dialogue with the school, ask them perhaps not to do what they were doing. What were those conversations like? What, what happened next? Well, actually kind of roll that back as we were trying to decide what our next step would be because we started putting some things together. We're going, I think this is might be what's going on. How do we want to handle this with the school? Later that same week, uh, Jennifer found in our daughter's backpack a book that had been given to her uh, by the school counselor from the school counselor's personal library uh, that our daughter was kind of hiding from us. And that book uh, contained uh, a story about a homosexual boy and a confused boy and the homosexual boy trying to kind of coerce the boy into a relationship with him, very explicit. Um, and so when we found that, it was sound like, all right, that's we had a polar immediately after which then we um, had a meeting with the school principal thinking, I wonder if he even knows, does it, you know, is where, how broadly is this going on in the school? And so as we spoke with him, uh, it came to our attention. I just quickly that he said to us, look, you have to understand this is the school policy we're mandated to do this. Uh, the desires of the children outweigh those of the parents. And there's not a whole lot we can do in that regard. So you might have just saw alarm on my face with that last statement, right? Because th that's what this is really uh, about for parents is yes. parental rights. Um, Kate, I want to come to you on this for a moment because some people might not be aware of this, but this is the policy in some districts, and we're seeing it in some states, that parents are not notified when a child, and I want to emphasize child, has a request to be you know, named by another name, the opposite sex. Can you take us through how pervasive is this issue and why should parents be concerned? These policies have become very pervasive. 
throughout um, a number of states just across the country. These policies where the school district says that if a student raises confusion about their gender identity, the school should jump into action and change that child's names, their pronouns, and not tell their parents. And then you have situations where they're actively hiding that information from parents like they were with the Meads. They were actually erasing the male name and male pronouns on documents and replacing it with their daughter's real name and her female pronouns, anything that they were sending home to the parents to actively deceive them. Uh, this violates the Constitution because parents have the right to direct the upbringing and education of their kids. But the reason for that is that kids need their parents to walk alongside them when they're dealing with these kinds of issues. Parents know their kids best. They want what's best for them and they need to be involved. A school should never hide information from parents. Yeah. And, and that brings me back to, to you, Jennifer, on, you know, and, and feel free to share as much as you're comfortable. I don't want to push people to share too much, but how did this affect your relationship with your daughter as this was going on, even once you discovered it? You know, what are some of the parameters maybe and barriers that were put up because of it? You know, that's interesting that you asked that because I was looking back, um, just trying to wrap my head around everything and seeing if there's anything that, that we could have missed. Um, yeah, I get upset about it. We have always told our children that no matter what, whether we agree or disagree with them, we love them no matter what. And we will always love them. And if anybody in the world, we are there for them. They can trust us. We are we are here to speak truth to our children. And I look back and I think that that relationship sort of changed for a little while. Mm -hmm. um, I could sense some turmoil in her. And I knew there was something going on. Her anxiety was, was through the roof. Um, she was depressed most days. She was missing a lot of school. She didn't want to go to school. Or I would get a call in the afternoon that she needed me to come pick her up. So I knew that there was something going on and we were working with the school counselor very closely to come up with a plan for her. I was sharing personal information about what was going on within our family dynamic as well. And I, I, I thought that we were being transparent. Mm -hmm. And so, now I will tell you, um, our daughter, she knows who she is. She is no longer confused. She knows that we love her. She knows that she can always come to us for everything. She is thriving. Her grades are up. She is happy. She's like a different child now. And it's it's just, it's it's wonderful that we've got her back. You know, that that is wonderful. I know this is hard to talk about because it's so personal. And that brings me to you, Dan, on just the decision to, you know, to sue over this. You know, a lot of people, they find themselves in these positions and they might say, I don't want to deal with the backlash because I would assume once you go public, people, a lot of people support and a lot of people have opinions on the other side of it. What has led you, Dan, to say, no, we, we want to take action here. We want to right this wrong. Well, when we left that meeting with the principal, all that I could get through my, like the thought that just kept coming back to me was, what if I, we just go away quietly and don't do anything, don't say anything. How many other parents have done this before us? 
And that even doesn't matter how many are going to come after us. And if I ever had to look at another father or mother who went through this and say, oh yeah, that happened to us too, but we didn't do anything about it. I don't know how I could handle that. And so I just said to Jennifer, I've got to figure out a way to make this right and make it so that they don't keep doing this to other children and other parents, whether it's this specific issue um, or what really is our problem is that they lied to us, mm -hmm. that they deceived us about what was going on. So it isn't, you know, this issue, you know, a lot of people want to make it about the very particular, oh, your problem is just with the boy names and the boy pronouns and you're making a big, uh, you know, uh, a mountain out of a molehill. That just happened to be the catalyst that set us off of saying, no, you don't get to lie about anything. Right. This is what you chose to lie to us about, but you don't get to lie to the parents about anything. You don't get to withhold information, change documents, none of that stuff. All right. Thanks for that conversation there, Billy. That is... That is some shocking stuff. And Billy, as I'm listening to the interview, uh, you you were shocked at the same thing I was shocked at when he was saying that, well, there's really just not that much we can do. The the I think it was the children's um, wants and whatever the wording he used was trumped the parents. And that just was remarkable. Yeah, but they can't get a tattoo no. or drive before they're 16 or do right. any of these other things, but yeah, change your gender. Change your gender. There you go. Crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. But thanks for that interview. All right. That's going to leave us with time for one last thing on the pod today. So we're going to look at Luke nine twenty three. It says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily and follow me. Great advice there as always from Luke and counter to usually the the normal inclination and desires we have inside each and every one of us. Amen. All right. That is where we're going to leave it on today's episode of the Quick Start Podcast. As always, get on over to cbnnews.com if you haven't done that yet today. What are you doing? Get on over there now. See what's going on. And uh, faithwire.com as well to get your news from a Christian perspective. Lord willing, in that creek don't rise. We're going to return tomorrow with more. God bless. See you then. Have a fantastic rest of your Tuesday. <laughs>